You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blocking the Boys, powered by SB Nation, as always. Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis here to talk all things Dallas Cowboys. You know, their big week, week 16 matchup against the Miami Dolphins left us with coal in our stocking here. You know, staying with the <laughs> Christmas theme, Cowboys fall 22-20. to 20. We'll dive all into their second straight loss of the season, their fifth of the year overall. But before we get to that, Merry Christmas, Aiden. How are you? I'm doing well. Once again, Tony, we, we're following on a holiday, and this year it's the biggest holiday for most yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I wish it could be a little bit happier, man. Absolutely. You know, it's tough. And, you know, a peek behind the curtain, we're recording this late on Christmas Eve. By the time you guys listen, this will be Christmas Day. So if you're open in presents, spend time with your family, and you spend time to listen to us, we appreciate that. Thank you for listening to us every year, all year long. Um, with that being said, Let's jump right into the initial thoughts here. Um, the Cowboys lose to the Miami Dolphins. It's disappointing, right? Like the offense was stagnant all game long. They finally find a way to, you know, break through, take a lead. Um, and then the defense, which played really well all all afternoon, uh, finds a way to not get the job done. And you almost felt, I don't know how you felt about it, but I felt, you know, when they scored with what, three and a half or four minutes left in the game, like it just felt like it was inevitable to me. I mean, I just didn't see a way that they were going to stop this offense with Tyree kill from crossing to where they needed to go and kicking a field goal. And ultimately that ended up what happened and what happened. And uh, the Cowboys fall to 10 and five as a result. Yeah. I it, spoiler alert for when we eventually touch on the defense. I, it just got to the point where the, the Cowboys had only made the dolphins punt twice up to that point in the entire game. And so you look at the final score, 22 points, it doesn't look that godly, but godly. But the issue was is the Dolphins were scoring on every possession, and so you're completely right. Once the Dolphins got the ball, I thought either the Dolphins are going to score as time expires to win the game, or the Cowboys are going to get the ball back and have the chance to redeem themselves. They almost got the ball back, given that last like third down miss that they had. Uh, man, just disappointing because this this loss felt like a combination of both, like the. Defense didn't play well enough, and the offense didn't play well enough. So combine the two is just like a little bit short from both units. I'm not putting the blame entirely on one squad. It just wasn't good enough from either. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, that's the thing, right? For me, um, we could talk about this game in totality and how it had a lot of meaning to win, but on a on a personal note, right? Like you wanted the team to bounce back and respond after a tough week again against the Bills last week. But when it came to like the actual seeding, everything that the Cowboys want is still out in front of them. They still can really obtain everything they want NFC East wise. They can still get the two seed. All those things are still in play. But it almost falls as like a moot point, right? Because you're going to go and you're going to have to beat teams like this. You're going to have to beat teams that are probably better than this if you want to go in and capture the championship. So um, the Cowboys had an opportunity here to do the right thing or, you know, to find a way to win. And they ultimately weren't able to get it done. And that's super frustrating. Yeah, I don't think this was like we we good and bad losses. Not me and you both kind of agree to the fact that a loss is a loss. We don't really prescribe to good losses, but when you compare this to the Bills' loss a week ago, I'm definitely like I'm not as discouraged as that loss. So it's not like I'm devastated by this. But you're right, the Cowboys they can still win the NFC East if the Eagles drop one to the Giants and the Cowboys beat the Lions and Commanders. Like that's still ahead of them. The two seeds still ahead of them. That's like. It's, it's not like they've been eliminated from those. It's just we knew Mike McCarthy responds after losses. We knew that, like, we both thought when we talked about this last week that it's like, okay, this is where the Cowboys respond after getting punched in the face by the Bills. They respond, prove they're still a good team, and that just didn't happen today. They proved that they can contend with good teams, 
But you didn't get that statement, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, we're still good. We can go out and respond after launch and punch you in the mouth. That didn't happen. And it's a little bit disappointing. Yeah, and this is the first time the Cowboys have lost back-to-back games since, what, 2021, I think the the stat was. So um, they had a chance to really uh, change the narrative, and they had done that a few times this year, right, where people have felt a certain way about them, and they've been able to go and kind of get that monkey off their back. They weren't able to do that this time. They're still going to be looked at as a team who struggles on the road, a team that can't get it done against quality opponents, especially on the road. Um, and if they're going to end up being slotted into the five seed, which is probably the overwhelming um probability here of what they're going to end up being at uh they're gonna have to do that three times if they want to you know if they want to get to where they got to go it's probably going to lead from an nfc south opponent then you're probably going to have to play the eagles or some sort of combination of the eagles 49ers and then you're gonna have to see the other one probably in the nfc championship game so the road is not going to be easy you know i it's it is what it is right at this point in time i It'll kind of bring us right into my second segment here, and I kind of want to roll into this unless you have any final thoughts. But um, my my question, I didn't, like, again, much much like we do this, I don't really prep you. I just want to get your organic answer on this. But are they just a tier below a real threat? Or can you honestly sit here and say this team is a real threat to win it all? I think, in my mind, there is two tiers in the playoff picture right now. Well, I guess, okay, three tiers. There's the tier that it's like they need, they, this team needs something to go wrong for them to lose in the playoffs. Like they are better than everybody else. They need to have a bad game for them to lose in the playoffs. And the only team in the NFL I'm putting on that tier is the San Francisco 49ers. And I think there's a second tier of like, okay, they would be favored against most teams in the NFL. If they play another good team, it's going to be a dogfight. And to me, that's like 90% of NF, like of teams in the playoff picture right now. I'm putting the Eagles in there, the Lions in there, the Cowboys in there, most pretty much every team, the AFC in there. It's like, yeah, they're good and they could easily make it to the Super Bowl. But especially for like for NFC teams, you're gonna have to take down the Niners. And those Niners are gonna be favored against every team you're playing. And then the like the last year would just be like the teams that whoever sneaks in the wild card, the Seattle Rams, like they're not gonna win it. So like I, I still see the Cowboys in that second tier of like they're going to be good, and they're going to put up some dogfights against good teams, but they're not on the Niners tier of, like, they need something to go wrong to lose. That's like that's not the Cowboys. The Cowboys need something to go right to beat a team like the Niners. And it's just disappointing because we used to see the Cowboys in that other tier of, like, no, against most teams, the Cowboys, they have to mess up and they have to kill themselves to lose. That's not the Cowboys anymore. Yeah, and so for me, it's... I hate to sound like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, but I look at this team and my initial thought is not championship enough, right? Like they're they're a team that has championship principles and has a chance if get hot. But I guess you could say this about any team, and that's why I don't want to sound talk out of both sides here, but you got to have everything be perfect for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. And I know you can say that about everybody, like I said, but if things start to go south or things start to not, they just don't have the the built forward tough, I guess, for lack of a better term, to like go in there and just weather a storm and find a way to win a gritty win. And like even in this one, like you said, you go up, you, you got four minutes left, and I don't know how you felt, but I didn't feel like overly confident that this defense, no. even though this defense played pretty well, I still didn't sit here and be like, yeah, the defense is going to make a stop here. Like, I just didn't feel that. I knew it was all they had to do was really cross midfield, and it just it didn't feel like it was coming. I have, you know, we'll get into a different conversation at a different time, but I have questions about, like, this vaunted pass rush that we just don't see. How come – we talk about how good they are pressures and I'm sure the numbers and analytics make me sound stupid, but like they're just not getting home. And at the end of the day, like the close, but no cigar stuff is really frustrating. You got two, you got an offensive line that was missing a starter, just like ours was. We're missing a starting left tackle. Dak's running for his life. They're missing a right guard. We get zero sacks. So it's, I think at one point Dak dropped back 23 times. He had 10 pressures and three sacks. So there was only what, 12 passes where he had a clean, somewhat clean pocket. That's totally unacceptable. And that's not a vaunted pass rush. So between that, the confidence I don't have in the linebacker core, the confidence I don't have in the rush defense, the confidence I don't have that they just are tough on, on the road. It's 
a lot is going to have to change and go perfectly their way if we're going to be able to sit here and say this team is actually a Super Bowl contender. Am I wrong? No, you're completely right. I will say, I, th- I think we'll have a deeper discussion about the defense probably later because they it warrants a discussion based on what we saw today. I'm not as concerned with the pass rush as you are. I will say, I'm, I think the secondary is a lot leakier than we expected, especially against good quarterbacks like Tua and Josh Allen. And the run defense is a serious problem. Like we do have to really get worried about this run defense. So I'm I'm worried about the defense. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily worried. Like in terms of the list of things I'm worried about on defense, pass rush is still probably at the bottom. But I do agree with you that like if the Cowboys want to make it to the Super Bowl, it's gonna have to, like dominoes are gonna have to fall their way, and it's not just one or two. It is going to have to be a lot of things. But I want to ask you this: outside of the Niners, do you see? Don't you see? the Eagles, the Lions, and the Cowboys in that same group of like a lot of dominoes have to fall their way in order to beat the Niners? Because to me, it's like the Niners are the gold standard of the NFC and everybody else is just picking up scraps, hoping that they have a chance to touch the Niners. Like that's just the way I see it right now. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. It's the 49ers look like they're the team that can like go out there and just dominate and find a way to just be the better team on any given Sunday. I, I lumped the Eagles in there too. Like, right? Like they've obviously the last three weeks have looked like a shell of themselves, or maybe they are just showing us who they really are. When you know what I mean? When things don't go yeah. right, they just don't respond. But my thing is when I look at this Cowboys team, where's the confidence inspired? Right? Like where can you be, where can you draw motivation or you know, inspiration from that you can feel really confident about this team? Like, even what we say about the Eagles and how I feel about them being a, an inferior team to the Cowboys. Like, they've been battle-tested. They've made it to a Super Bowl. They've come close to winning. They've made it to an NFC championship game. So it's like, yeah, we, we could sit here and, and and fight with the Eagles fans online, but they've been to places we haven't yet. And and I don't want to come in here and be cynical on Christmas and act like, you know, woe's me and I'm a negative Nancy kind of person. But, like, we're seeing in different ways what we've always seen from this Cowboys team. And that's the part that's super frustrating to me. I don't entirely disagree with you. I will like. So, are you putting the Eagles in a tier above the Cowboys in the no, NFC playoff I, picture? No, I, I wouldn't. Point? I wouldn't put them in a tier above us. I would put us. I think it's the 49ers and then the Cowboys, Eagles, and a significant gap between the two teams. Right? I think they've proven yeah, that on the field. I would say, if I had to sit here and say who inspires more confidence right now, I think it's the Eagles, and that's like a really tough thing to say. And, it doesn't mean I think the Eagles are a better football team because I think the Cowboys are a better football team, but the Cowboys road is going to be on the road, right? It's going to be on the road. It's going to be against good teams and they don't play well against good teams and they don't play well on the road. Where, where am I drawing my motivation or my confidence from right now? I, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I just think we're coming at it from different angles because I don't, I, I don't think I'm necessarily more discouraged about this team given the loss today than I was coming into it. Like we both agreed last week, the 49ers are a brutal matchup against the Cowboys with their speed, their, their explosive weapons. Like that's, that's just not a team that like, especially when you throw in um, Mike McDaniels and his ability to scheme up cool new stuff that like, it just doesn't like, that's not the Cowboys game. Like Kyle Shanahan, there's a reason Kyle Shanahan continues to beat the Cowboys. And that's because he can out scheme Dan Quinn. I think you can start lumping Mike McDaniels in that group of new age play callers who can beat Dan Quinn and beat his not old school style of defense, but his like, it's, it's a little bit funky and like there, it came, they can be beat and they got beat today. So I just think a lot was working throw throw in the fact that they were playing on the road. They were already underdogs in this game. You lose off a last second field goal. I don't think I'm that discouraged by the loss today. I'm not happy by it, but I don't think I'm discouraged by it. Are you coming at it from a different place to where you are discouraged by it? I would say I would say yes to answer it directly. I'm a little discouraged by the loss because I I had said the quote before I'll say it again. Like I'm I'm tired of the close but no cigar type this team brings right like you, you you're sitting here and i've said this a million times too like i don't believe in like moral victories like i don't want to sit here and 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 pick at like what i should be you know happy about right we're it's ironic because we're about to have a segment where i'm going to ask you about positives to take from the game but realistically i'm tired of having that conversation where i want the positive to be the fact that they won and they found a way to, to overcome it and and that drive by dak prescott and brandon cooks and that touchdown to take the lead is something to build off of right but 
I sit here again and say, why was I almost certain that they weren't going to get it done? Right. Like I almost felt like they had to score quickly just so when the Dolphins do kick the field goal, we can go back and try to win it again. Like that's the gymnastics I was playing in my mind. Um, but I will say like, yes, there were a lot of actual factors to tell you that this game wasn't magnificently like important to the Cowboys. Like it wasn't like a do or die win and everything they want, like I said, is still there. But didn't you just want it for the morale? Didn't you just want it for like the the feels of like not losing two in a row, beating a, a, a quality opponent, somebody on the road? Like there were just so many things that could have been won on a mental, personal level, like a psyche level that we just didn't kind of hit home after this. No, don't. Yeah, I, I don't want it to get confused. I was livid about the loss. In fact. Maybe the Eagles loss. The Eagles loss hurt. I think this loss hurt more than either, like any of the, when you look at the Cardinals loss, the Niners mm -hmm. loss, the Bills loss. This lot today loss hurt, loss hurt more than any of those other three games because it wasn't over early. I was like, okay, the Cowboys, they got the lead. They're finally in this. Let's see what the defense and the pass rush can do once they pin their ears back. They have full control too. And now I was incredibly disappointed by the loss today. Or I was incredibly upset by the loss today. However, I just don't think I've changed my view of this team after today. I knew the defense had problems going into today. Not huge problems, not glaring problems, but problems that the Dan Quinn needs to address before playoffs. So I knew the defense already had problems. And give, based off what we saw against the Bills last week, we were fully aware that the offense could just completely stall out at times. So yeah. I don't love seeing it two weeks in a row, but I don't know if I changing my view or my opinion of this team after today i will say but like i said i was today's loss is up there with the most upsetting losses of the season so let me ask you directly then um what is your view of this team like where i know you put them in tear below the 49ers and i believe based on you know our conversations and even facial re reactions you think they're better than the Eagles, which I think is a fair assessment so where do you sit are they still a championship caliber team are they a team that you know, are going to break our hearts. Like, where you have them at? Yeah, I mean, I just kind of put them in the tier of, like, if you're comping it to NFL teams, like, I, I'd say, like, Eagles, Lions, let's go to, like, if you want to go to the AFC, this Dolphins team, the Jaguars, teams that, like, they're not going to be favored to make the playoffs when or to make the Super Bowl. Like, when, you, when you're filling out your Super Bowl bracket – the Cowboys, the Lions, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, they're not going to be popular picks to win the Super Bowl or even make the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but they're not going to people aren't going to have confidence that they're going to do it. And so that, like that's the tier that I put the Cowboys in. They absolutely could make the Super Bowl. They absolutely could make the championship, but it is going to take upsets for that to happen. And so that's where I sit with this team knowing that yeah, they're if I had money, they're probably going to get bounced by the Niners come January. And that hurts to say, but to me, that's the way that I believe this is going to play out. So, yeah, you're kind of in the same boat where I am, where like you think that this team could do it, but all the pieces have to come together. But you could say that about every other team. It just feels like it's a necessity, right? Like you had talked about the 49ers. They have a way to to come up out of the rut and find a way to win, right? They have the makeup to not bring their A game and still win football games. If the Cowboys don't fire on all cylinders and do everything exactly right and figure out their, make sure their tackling's on point, make sure their offense is on point, make sure that they're not hurting themselves with penalties. Without that exact formula, this team cannot win. It's proven that, right? Like, I think the only time that we've even had adversity that they've won was the Seattle game where... Seattle, they couldn't Chargers? stop. Chargers, sure, but I think they've turned out to be phonies. You know what I mean? So, Fair you know, you you fought it out with a phony, which doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not here to discredit Ws. You know what I mean? But the Seattle game, it's the offense couldn't even have one misstep. So that was a positive thing. But that was when the defense was like, oh my god, they're a problem. You know, that's a that's a serious problem. So. I think everything you said is fair. Like they're in the hey, they could do it, but we got to need some dominoes to fall in the right way here. Yeah, I mean, maybe we, we didn't actually discuss where we sat up, but I just like post week 10-ish, once the 49ers responded from that three-game skid, that's how I started seeing the Cowboys. Like, I've just always seen the Niners on this tier that it is going to take so much to beat them that I don't know if the Cowboys do. And like, I just, 
don't think that's changed over the past six weeks. Yeah. All right. So, you know, enough of me being negative, Nancy, here and saying all the things that are wrong <laughs> with this team. In this loss, again, Cowboys lost 22 to 20 to fall to 10 and 5. What have you, Aiden Davis, seen for positives in this game? Is there anything that you could take away that you could feel good about? I'm, I legitimately have one positive, and I can't, outside of Brandon Aubrey continuing to be perfect on the season, can't think of any other positive outside of this. It's Dak Prescott proving he has the clutch gene, which he has now done mm. multiple times this season. And I think this is an area of, like, Dak's always gotten a little bit of criticism for his late game. Like, he's not able to close out game, which I always thought was completely unwarranted. I always thought Dak fell around the league average in terms of how, quote-unquote, clutch he is. But this season, time and time again, you can look back at the Chargers game, at the Seahawks game, at the first Philadelphia game, which didn't... It's The Cowboys didn't walk out with the win, but Dak Prescott led them down the field twice to win the game, and it just... I'm. It wasn't completely his fault that they melted down the red zone. It was penalties. It was the offensive line. So, like, Dak Prescott, and then today, Dak Prescott multiple times this season has proved that when the game's on the line, he's going to do everything he needs to to give his team a win. It doesn't always happen. He doesn't always get the win. But I can't think of a game this year. I can't, Can you think of a game this year? Yeah, I, I can't. And I don't think there is. Where we're like, Man, we need Dak Prescott to go on a long drive, right? Like, we need this drive. It's getting late in the game. We need a touchdown here. And then Dak Prescott is just like, all right, three and out. Sorry, guys. This sucks. Like, even the Eagles game, like, he drove the team down the field. Granted, he didn't, we didn't score around the red zone, but that wasn't, we both agreed that wasn't entirely his fault. He's showed up when it matters this year. And so that's, once again, he does it today. They don't walk out the win, but that's the one positive I'm taking out of this is Dak Prescott continuing to prove he has the quote unquote clutch gene. Yeah, he finishes the day 20 for 32, 253 passing yards and two touchdowns. And you're right. Like, that's my only positive, too, is realistically, um, even, I mean, they open it up, C.D. Lamb on the second drive, whatever, hits a, hits the touchdown, kind of changes the complexion. The Hunter Lepke thing, we haven't even talked about it, but that is just a gut-wrenching thing for them to get down. And I mean, he walks in there if he doesn't lose the football. Um, but despite all that and sputtering out in the middle of the game and the offense looking stagnant for the quarters two and three, C.D. Lamb not getting involved, it as much negative as you could take away from this offense performance, when Dak needed it the most, he found a way. And and you know what? It's sad to say that we live in a world where if the Cowboys are going to lose, I'd rather they lose in a situation where Dak's like out there going, I did everything I could do, right? I scored a touchdown. I, I found a way to make a a massive long extended drive to take the lead. Like I stepped up and did what I had to do. Uh, but on top of that, like we're, and this is kind of sidebar to that, but did you not for one second have a little deja vu at that Eagles first game when there was first down and goal? I did. You know, I, seven yard sack. <laughs> yeah. Once we got to like, it was like the re like, yeah. On first down with the sack, I was like, no, this is just going to be the <laughs> Eagles game all over again where we sputter out in the reds. I was, yeah, you're right. And that's something that's blowing my mind. Like, I understand that Mike McCarthy's like trying to be in his bag or anything like that, but like sometimes just punch the thing in. You know what I mean? Like, you don't uh, thank have to, you. you know what I mean? Just punch it in. And I know that they tried to do that with Hunter Lepke and it didn't work, but like, first and goal at the one, punch the ball in, bro. Like, there's no reason you should be taking a, a cute seven-yard sack on first down and goal from the one-yard line. Like, that, we would be having an entirely different conversation here if, if they didn't find a way to score that touchdown to Brandon Cooks because that was a really bad play call in that moment. Yeah, side tangent, I understand the tush push is undefeated. Dak Prescott, if I were to rank quarterbacks I'd want to do the tush push with, number one is Jalen Hurts. Number two is Dak Prescott. That yeah. guy always picks up one yard. Why do we not start doing that? Like just the how how, how many times this year have we needed one yard and we called a very similar quarterback sneak? Granted, no pushing's happening, but a very similar quarterback sneak and we pick it up. Like Start calling that play call more, McCarthy. That's all you needed on that one yard line instead right. of taking a stupid sack because you got cute. That was so annoying. I'm I'm completely on board with you. Yeah, and so like that, that kind of brings into this here for me is Dak was the positive. He found ways, and again, we had talked about Vic Fangio and what he did when he was in Denver and having the quote unquote blueprint. 
at times it looked like he had him, not him personally, but the offense a little bit of a little bit fooled. They weren't able to kind of get traction. They had some bad field position. They weren't able to get out of their own way. Uh, but to find a way to get take the lead, get the go ahead touchdown, and you know just kind of grind it out. I mean, realistically, there was really nothing overly impressive other than C.D. Lamb, which felt weird. It was like at the beginning and then the ending with C.D. Lamb, and he ended up with six receptions, 118 yards, and one touchdown. Everybody else is kind of just meh. You know what I mean? Jalen Tolbert. Tolbert with a big play. That was a big time some play. Respect. That was a great, great reception and a great moment. He needed that. I think that's a huge, uh, you know, boost because he's kind of faded a little bit lately. Like, hadn't used them much. They hadn't had to use them. I will say, man, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm glad that it's. We're about what are we? We're about almost 24 minutes into this before I mentioned this, so I feel like we can talk about it now. NFL officiating minutes, horrendous, horrendous, bro. Like, I, I it's just so many situations where like, Micah Par, <clears throat> Micah Parsons, going 38 quarters without drawing a single holding call is like that's that's almost and I'm not saying this is true I'm being facetious when I say this it almost feels like agenda like how is that even possible that somebody of that caliber who gets that many pressures as many pressures as he gets what's he get five six pressures a game on average At, so yeah you know what I mean so if you're talking about five pressures over 10 games he's gotten 50 pressures without drawing a single hold that's like like asinine. That's insane to me. So sorry, you know, we're twenty five minutes into the show, and I and I finally bring up the refs, but that's something that just blew my mind. To me, it's almost like the like Shaq back in the day, where it's like he's clearly getting fouled on this, but because he's so dominant, you almost have to let it slide. Yeah. That can't be the case with Micah. Like you got to call <laughs> them eventually. It was that one egregious. I don't even. It was like what an eighteen-yard pass that happened on the play where Michael Parsons was being held by two different players. Yeah. One of them arguably going hands to the face with it. Yes, it's getting infuriating. You have to call it. It's just annoying that because we have a player so dominant, we're being punished for it in the sense that they're not going to call holding penalties because oh, it's Michael Parsons. He's like he'd be he's going to get through the holding anyways, either way. So let's just let him go. It's it's getting out of hand with this, and then. To then turn around and call like the BS, like he barely puts his shoulder into his chest, uh, roughing the passer penalty. That like, come on! If you're gonna, if you're Awful. not gonna call the holds, then let the guy have a little fun when he finally does get to the quarterback. And it was not that was not roughing the passer. Yeah, it was a little bit infuriating. Yeah, it was awful, man. It really was. And I, you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox too much about it, but I don't think it's a Cowboys problem. I think it's a league wide problem. There's a serious issue with NFL officials, and and it's. I know everybody's like, well, everybody's got to play with it. I think it's, I think it's honestly, for lack of a better term, stupid. That everybody's got to, like, you got to go and beat the officials as well. Like, everybody got to do it. Like, no. Like, how about just some accountability? How about some acknowledgement that, like, this is poor. This is bad. Like, they're changing games. And it's not a Cowboys problem. Like I said, it's an everybody problem. But you shouldn't have to scheme based on what referees are calling your games and how they're going to call it. And Sean Hockley thinks he's in, like, Broadway and he's got to do his big, you know, first down. And he acts like the show is about him. Like, I just... The referees and the personalities and it being a part-time gig, it's just super infuri uh, infuriating. So final segment here, we'll, we'll wrap it up here and then we'll, you know, get on to our Christmas days here. But big final two games, right? We got one of them against the Washington Commanders at the end of the year, but I want to focus directly more on this Detroit Lions game. This is where it matters, right? Like if you're talking about another NFC team that you could possibly see in the playoffs, another team that is viewed to be on your tier, some people think you're better than, some people think you're not. They're, you know, sitting here at 11-4, you're 10-5, and five. You got a home game, Jimmy Johnson's getting ducked to the ring of honor, you got two losses in a row here. How important, Aiden Davis, is this Detroit Lions game coming up next week? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I, it's important, especially, do we know, I get the Eagles play on Sunday, right? So we won't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's important. I don't think, like if, if I'm power ranking our most important games of the season, I'm probably putting this around the three range. I have four or five. You know, with it, like two or three games left, does it, it obviously, does it become the most important yeah. game because it's the next well, one? Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it's, I mean? it's the most probably, yeah, more important than your commanders game, I guess. But, so I'm more interested in this game. Like, I need to see the defense too. Like, that's outside. Obviously, I want the Cowboys to win. That's what I'm going to be rooting for first. I'm going to be most interested to see how the defense plays. I know the offense can come alive. Like, I, they have had some ups and downs this season, but I'm putting my faith into the player that was leading the MVP race for a few weeks there. Like, I'm we have an MVP contending quarterback. You have a good offense, especially when they get Tyron Smith back. Our offense is fine. I'm not going to be worried too worried about that heading into playoffs. But we've talked about this for the past like five weeks on the pod. Ever since that Washington game, man, they've started, they've slid. It didn't look good against Buffalo. It didn't look great today. It was bend, don't break ish, but they were really bending at times. And if you go out there and lay another defensive, egg, oh, then the Seahawks game where you couldn't stop anybody. If you go out there against the Lions and you allow another, if you allow Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Jamison Williams, all those guys to just have a field day on you, I'm going to be legitimately concerned going into the playoffs. Like concerned to the point where like you can't win if like our offense is not as good as the Niners offense and it never will be. What we have to hope for is that our defense gets better than the 49ers defense, which absolutely can happen because it happened at different points this year where our defense looked better than the Niners defense. I I mean, I'm going to be closely watching this defense. And so, like, to me, I'm at, like, a panic level nine. If we go out there and lay another goose against the Lions offense, that's where I'm going to be losing my, like, the panic is going to be through the roof at that point. Yeah, this I mean, this game's super important. One, because we're now on a two-game skid. You want to avoid the three game skid yep. and you want to be able to keep everything in, in advance for you to be possibly the two seed. Right. So there's a lot at stake, actually, internally, motivationally, you know, psyche. There's a lot here. I mean, the, the Detroit Lions are a good offensive team. They're a team that is coached well. They're a team that rallies around their coach and um, they just got a gritty factor to them. They can come in here and just outmuscle you if they want to, and you got to be able to stop that. So, yes, this game is super important. Uh, the next two games is obviously important. There's no reason to – there's no reason at all. I mean, the Eagles, with the three games they have left, they need to win every single game. Otherwise, the Cowboys can creep up on them. So there's no reason for any reason that they're going to take the Washington game lately. Right. But more so than anything, you have to start and win this Detroit game to earn that Washington game meaning anything. So with that being said, I just I can't even imagine a world right where how scary this team would be mentally going into the final stretch into the playoffs with one game left. And then the playoffs, if they go and lose three games to three legitimate contenders, right, lose to the Bills, lose to the Dolphins, lose to the Lions, and then you go and beat Washington. Nobody's going to believe that you're anything anyway, right? Like there's there's nothing to take home from that for beating a Washington team when you had everything out in front of you and you fall flat on your face and lose three straight. So I hope this isn't one of those games where they sit there and they make too much of it because I don't know if this team plays well when they're tense. You know, I don't think they play well really with their back against the wall. We've seen them talk up the 49ers game and lose. We've seen them, you know, talk up the first Eagles game and lose. You know, they found a way to win the last Eagles game, but I think the Eagles are in a skid and the Cowboys are ultimately a better football team. But this game, they have to find a way to to make a win, right? Besides all of the nonsense we've talked about, whether it be officials or bad defense or offense, slow, stagnant starts, they got to find a way to win. 
And so, yeah, it's cliche to say, but the biggest one is the next one. But the next one happens to just be the biggest one they got. No, you are right. And the fact that entering this Lions game, everything is like, quote, like, it's going to sound weird, but everything is working in your favor going to this Lions game. They're coming off a loss, which historically is with Mike McCarthy, you're good coming off a loss. You're playing at home, which apparently you're Superman at home and can't be beat. You're playing against a crowd that, like you mentioned, is going to be ready for to see Jimmy Johnson get inducted to the Ring of Honor. They're coming off. Like, it's going to be a routed crowd that is hungry for a win. Everything is working in your favor. You just have to take advantage and play to what we expect you to play. But you're right. If they come out and fall flat again, I, there is going to be real panic. I do want to get your, as we wrap up the show, Quick question about this because it kind of annoyed me. Today, on the broadcast, they talked about the players' comments about, like, you can't win on the road. And, like, Dak, like, some of the players saying, like, I don't know what the problem is. It's like kind of, like, do you hate that they're, do you think they're kind of in their own head about not winning on the road at this point? Because for a player to say, and I can't, I think it was Micah, I don't remember who it was, to say, I don't know what the problem is, like, are you acknowledging it's a problem that you can't yeah. win on the road? Like that's don't acknowledge it, man. Tune it out. I don't want to say this is who you're talking about because I don't. It may be both comments, but the one I saw was CD Lamb, where he was like, "It's I, it's a thing, but it's weird. I don't know. It's yeah. a thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And like you're right. I'm there with you. Like I think these guys, and it may just be the generation. Like I, I'm. I know I'm. You know, 32, but. These guys, these kids, I say with air quotes, like <laughs> read the tea leaves online too much. Like everybody's feeding into like they say something, then you see it enough, you believe in it. I think they believe that like the road. I said it last week. I don't think winning on the road is should be all that different. You're America's team. Like you're the offense. This should, I don't know. I, I don't buy into all that as much as other people make like the road thing a big deal. I just think you need to execute and get a fast start. So. Um, yeah, I, I, to answer your question directly, I think it is a problem that they acknowledge that it might be different, which is messed up. I'm complete. That was my thing. Like yeah. home field advantage is worth like three to four points. Generally mm-hmm. don't act like you can't win on the road. That is horrible for morale. Please yeah. stop doing that Cowboys. Absolutely. I totally agree. And before we get out of here, just want to let you guys know that Brandon Laurie of the writer's block is, uh, did a great interview with Trent C, the long snapper for the Dallas Cowboys. That'll be attached at the back end of this podcast here. So when you're done and you hear our voices chiming out, don't tune out just yet. We're going to have that attached here for you. But last, uh, last thoughts before we get out of here and kind of do our Christmas thing. Uh, I will be at the Cowboys game on December 30th. If you're there, tweet me on Twitter. Maybe we'll see each other. Perfect, man. And you know what? That is a cool, that's a great game. Enjoy it, Jimmy Johnson. You're actually going to be there for history, so that's very cool. I'm jealous of that. Uh, But with that being said, Aiden, I hope you have a great Christmas, man. I appreciate doing this with you. This is the year or the time of, you know, thankfulness and and being around family and friends. So I, I appreciate doing this every week with you, man, and I hope you have a great holiday. Appreciate you too, Tony. Thank I'm doing you, this with you. Absolutely. So with that being said, another episode of the First and Ten Podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. Catch you guys next week, and hopefully it's the 11th win of the season. Peace. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast. The holiday special is here once again. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. And while I might not have the usual suspects here of Howman, Clements, and Halling, I do have our very own Blogging the Boys Christmas gift for you guys in the form of a special guest. And I'm pleased to welcome in the long snapper of the Dallas Cowboys and social media sensation, Trent Sig. Uh, Trent, thank you so much for taking the time here uh, to talk with us today. I know it's a busy schedule for you with the holidays. So once again, I I genuinely appreciate and welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. And uh, sounds like you got some good uh, good topics for us to go over. So I'm glad to give whatever input I can for you. Absolutely, the social media thing we will hit on at okay. some point because I do think <laughs> I, I that- don't know if I a sensation but i'm i'm trying <laughs> that is important um and you know normally we do recap the games coming off of sundays thursdays whatever when the cowboys play but i figure we change it up a bit get to know more about the cowboys sensational special teams unit this season uh and where it basically all starts with the man who snaps the ball himself so um first question
question for you, Trent, is you know, you've know you spent the first five seasons of your career with the then Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders. Um, in the offseason, you decided to sign with the Cowboys. What went into that decision, and how has it been so far with your first year in Dallas? Yeah, so um, I guess the transition, I would say, was a, a little bit of a whirlwind. I was actually still under contract with the Raiders heading in, into this year. Um, and then after like the first week of free agency went by or they decided to release me. And I, funnily enough, I was actually out in Dallas for a bachelor party or a, in uh, Fort Worth, I should say, for a bachelor party. So uh, I got released there and then pretty much flew back home that Sunday and found out that Dallas was in the market for a long snapper because uh, Jake McQuaid, the guy here, uh, ended up signing with Detroit right around that time. So timing-wise, it all actually worked out great. And uh, so I f- flew back home on Sunday. We agreed to terms on Monday, got on another flight on Tuesday to come right back to Dallas, signed my contract, and flew back home on Wednesday. So got those frequent flyer miles <laughs> added added up there in that last uh, – in that week. But um, – yeah, it's, it's been a really great transition coming over here. Like, obviously, teams having a great year, and uh, it's more winning than I've ever really done in my career. So that's that's great to be a part of. And special teams has been really playing well. Like Brian Anger, he's been a guy that I've admired from afar. He's been a like one of the top guys in the league for his entire career. So it's it's cool to play with him. And I I've uh, played with some other guys that were with him at some point in their career too. So a lot a lot of good going into that. And then um, Bones, the special teams coach, he's another guy that I've kind of admired from afar. We've had a, in my career, I've had a couple like joint practices during training camp and sort of seen how he interacts with his guys. And, um, and then guys that came over and played for him. Like I've never heard anything but positive things about him. And I think there's very few coaches in the league that, that don't at least rub somebody the wrong way. But um, so it is, it has been really awesome to come and and uh, play play for him and play for America's team. We had Justin March Lillard on earlier in the season, uh, actually last year, um, to talk about special teams and, and working with Fossil, what he's heard about him. Like you mentioned, I mean, there's been nothing but great things said about him. I think the one thing people forget is he's very high energy. Uh, oh, it very, seems like yes. he's 100% all the time. Um, talk about what it is like working with him, because I do think, as you mentioned, he's regarded as one of the best in the, in the business. So I'm sure that you've learned a lot from him in your short time. Yeah, definitely. And... Like, like you said about his energy is like, I think it, he's very high energy, but he's very authentic about it too. Like it's not, you know, how like sometimes guys come in and you're like, okay, yeah, like you're forcing it. But like, he's just that, that high energy all, all the time and super positive And he just gives out a, a great vibe. And I think he does a really good job of putting us all in a position to do what we're successful with. And um, he kind of opens the floor to us and, me specifically i've appreciated coming in and uh being treated like a veteran and him like kind of giving me some or letting me have some input in how we want to handle certain protections and just based off of where, where i've been successful and uh he gives me a little bit of uh i don't know if i'd say input but i can make some suggestions as far as rushes for for uh for the team that we're coming up against i do like a little write-up on on the snappers and kind of try to identify some strengths and weaknesses there or whatever I see in protection. And he's open to that. So um, I think just a big thing that he does is his willingness to kind of listen to the guys. And if someone says like, Hey, this worked for me, or this really worked for me in practice, he's willing to let the guys go do it. And, uh, and really just let us go, let us go play. And he does whatever he can to put us in a good position for our strengths. That's awesome to hear that it's sort of you're relied on to almost be a scout of the other team when it comes to the long snapper, the nuances that might go into it. I know for me, I've come to appreciate the position a lot more than some. Um, I I worked with a long snapper a few years ago as he was heading into the NFL draft, hoping to be drafted. His name was Billy Taylor. Uh, When I was at Rutgers, I worked with him. He had 58. He he tied the school record for 58 games played, and that was during the COVID year. Okay, Um, Okay. I was going to say, it sounds like he cheated a couple games there. (laughs) Exactly, but I, I just think that what can be overlooked sometimes is that you guys are relied on to be perfect pretty much day in and day out, game in and game out um, whenever you're called upon. So can you give us sort of like the cliff notes version of why the position is significant to you and why it continues to be an essential part of the game? I would say, obviously it's important to me because it's my job, but, um, (laughs) but um, as far as the game goes, the biggest thing about the long snapper is 
I feel like I just kind of got to get the ball to, to Brian and whether it's punting or kicking and essentially just stay out of the way. Like those guys are so good at what they do. And I'd say specialists as a whole are like very finely tuned, finely calibrated. Like it's the whole practice a thousand kicks or practice a thousand kicks one time or practice one kick a thousand times. Like they've done that specific punt, that specific kick, like that technique is so refined and um, anything that I can do or anything that I do that throws them off um, timing wise can have an effect on whether that it takes five yards off a punt or just um, throws off Brandon's timing a little bit. And he ends up having to push it because he had to wait for the ball to get down or something like that. So the biggest part to me is just trying to be consistent for those guys so that they can be consistent and help out the team overall. And I mentioned at the top that your your unit um, so far, if, if you're into metrics and everything like that, DVOA, you guys are ranked seventh right now on the season. It's been top 10 since 2020 uh, or 2021, 2022, and then this year. But you guys have a lot of stars. Like this is just isn't usually like household names. Not a lot of people know about the special teams players. But, you know, you have yourself, you have Aubrey, you have Anger, and then guys like Turpin, uh, CJ Goodwin when he was healthy, of course, now on IR, but then players like Sam Williams have stepped up to be special team bases. Can you talk about like what it's like to be in that room, you know, on a weekly basis? And do you guys hold yourselves to, to that standard where you need to be at the top always whenever you're on the field? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely we're main reason we do it is because we want to be the best, you know, and uh, I do want to give a little shout out to Sam and just his transition, especially out to Gunner has just been absolutely unreal. Like uh, he, he started off pretty much on, uh, on punt return and kickoff return. And he's kind of transitioned into being like one of the guys on special teams, like after CJ went down or just, uh, and some injuries outside and JT playing a little bit more on offense and just a lot of, a lot of things like that, trying to save some reps. So we decided to give Sam a shot cause he is big and he is fast. Like he, <laughs> I, uh, I had to block him a lot during training camp. So I had to experience it firsthand when he was on punt return, but, uh, he is, uh, he's a monster out there and he's just so he's just so big and, and strong and just a lot of those guys out there don't know how to deal with someone with that much strength so he, he's done an awesome job filling in um and then just as a whole this we found out at one point during uh during a walkthrough that uh anger has more years himself than the rest of the punt team combined wow. uh, for experience i can't remember if i was included in that or not but yeah, just because it's all just like pretty much first to first and second year guys. I think maybe uh, Sean McEwen, he's a, he's a third year guy when he was on there, and so that, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of young blood on there, which is awesome to see. And there hasn't really, like as you've said, there hasn't really been a dip in production for all the all the young guys trying to figure it out and and learn the ropes. Like everyone's been prepared of course there's a few growing pains but like everyone's stepped up to the challenge and it's really cool because one of the good things is like we've been really good with a really young team so far and we're just continue to get better week in and week out just as guys see more looks and just learn to play the game like a lot of guys don't really play special teams coming in from college so it is a very very different game when you get a get to that level and I've gotten to know a few young guys over the years where it seems like special teams has become more appreciated because they know that when they make it to the NFL level, that could be how they make or break a roster. And yes, you see, definitely. like the preseason, I know there was a Minnesota player who was highlighted for his effort on special teams, and he ended up making the roster, I think, because of his special teams' abilities. So it seems like a lot of these young guys, like you're talking about, even someone like a Wanye Thomas who stepped up, I think he's the personal protector for you guys. Yes. Um, it seems like he's also had a big role on special teams, too. Yeah, Wanya has been another guy that's kind of been one, one of the anchors on special teams. He's on, on all four phases, and I guess five count field goal block. But, uh, but yeah, he's just a guy that Bones can lean on. And I'd say every team I've seen, they always have a guy similar to him that is like, all right, you're our Swiss Army knife. We got you everywhere, and you're sort of you sort of make the whole thing go, you know. So like having him in a PP and kind of being in charge of calling protections and. Uh, giving him the the trust to be the last line of defense before the punter. It's it's a responsibility that's not taken lightly. One of the things that always 
intrigued me about, especially the long snappers, that you guys are also asked that you have to be in coverage. Like you have to go down, you have to, you know, attack the punt returner whenever that play actually happens. How do you go about practicing for tackling? Like you mentioned, you go up against Sam Williams sometimes. Do you guys work with linebackers and, and tackling um, drills? Like how does that go into your game? I think I did like two tackling drills during uh, the offseason program, like okay. during OTAs, just hopped in with the linebackers, did the little tackling dummy thing, just track tracking the back hip that type of thing but uh really i don't I honestly don't do a whole lot for that i rely on my athleticism from from high school i you know played defensive end a little bit in high school so uh not that any of that translates to trying to tackle <laughs> these guys but uh but yeah i just uh really my job's to just fit i i can kind of find where i'm supposed to fit and fill and hopefully just take it take a shot and hope i get a piece of them for sure <laughs> so. for sure uh, well, I know a lot of fans, you know, when they listen to this, they want to know more about Brandon Aubrey. I mean, I know national he's media, a star. he's finally, it, it's finally caught up, but I know you guys knew a lot about him. I talked to one of his uh, kicking coaches, Nick Novak for years in the NFL, longtime kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me about Aubrey and, and what to focus on. And I've always been a big fan of his, not only because of the namesake, I've never met a Brandon I've never liked before. So I always knew right. he had a good shot. <laughs> of course. Um, but talk about like you guys came into camp as the new faces on the special teams unit as the core with the three of you in anger did you guys hit it off right away because that because you're around the same age so do you guys hang out you know off the field and how does that chemistry kind of work with the whole operation of special teams yeah so um it actually took us a few i'd probably say till the end of training camp for us to actually find out that i'm the same age as brandon i guess it's kind of <laughs> him being a rookie i just always assumed he was like at least a year or two younger than me uh now that i'm getting old but but um, yeah, it actually turns out he is a he is like two months older than me, so I'm still still young guy on the t- in the in the groom. But as far as the transition for him, it's been really awesome to kind of see him grow in his just football knowledge overall. Like he was a soccer guy. Like I think he said he played he played wide receiver in middle school. Like that that was his football experience before before joining the U- or joining the USFL like he's just just all into soccer he's a super highly touted recruit and uh obvi- as most people know like he uh, he went and played in the MLS and i think that kind of prepared him for coming in like he he ca- came in and he wasn't a rookie that didn't know what was going on he knew what it was to be a professional athlete he knows what it is knows the work that it takes and um and I think that was kind of ni- nice to come in and he wasn't like a rookie, like, Oh God, we're gonna have to teach him everything, you know, and just even how to like go about his work day. So it's been, it's been great. Um, like you said, we, we do hang out outside of, outside of football, like me, Brian and Brandon, we all kind of rotate every couple of weeks. We like do a little host specialist family dinner or whatever, have the wives come over and, get the kids together and so it's been really cool uh brian's been great welcoming both of us in being the the incumbent of the room so it's been cool working with him and kind of just learning the the way of how the team runs from him because every coach every team has just that slightly different style of how everything how everything works where they like expect you to be on the sidelines when they're looking for you and just just a bunch of little nuances like that and just when and how to communicate with coaches on, on the sideline. And, and uh, so it, it's been great working with those three, those two guys. And now I know he's mentioned that he could drill it from 70 yards. I, <laughs> I fully believe it. I mean, he has the leg for it. And not only that, but he's also, I don't know where he's at right now. Cause I know it was a few weeks ago, but Michael Gelkin tweeted something out where he's actually on the, on pace to break the touchback record um, in the NFL, or at least something to it. Maybe Cowboys related. I mean, his his leg and I'm sure the experience in soccer uh, lends a lot into going into the touchback game too. Yeah, so I'd say honestly the thing that, in my opinion, uh, aimed or helped him with the touchbacks as much as it is is yeah, like I said he didn't know a whole lot about football coming in. So when he was in the USFL, they were kicking off from the 20 yard line, and he was doing whatever he could to try to hit as many touchbacks from the 20 yard line. So he uh, just out there hammering balls doing whatever he can to just really refine that skill and i remember when he came in uh he was just like oh we get a kick off from the 35 gonna... <laughs> he's just like all excited about it because like touchbacks are going to be very 
I'm not going to say easy. I don't want to say his job's easy, but like a lot easier than hitting him from the 20 yard line, you know, that 15 yards makes a difference. So, but um, I, I would say his, his soccer striking and, and all that makes a huge difference too for him. Cause I've been around a lot of good kickers and a lot of them like really attack the ball and get after it. And he just, he just looks so smooth and nonchalant in his approach. Like you don't think the ball should carry the way it does, but it just keeps going. Yeah. He's certainly having a historic season. Um, you know, it, it's, it's truly remarkable to watch, especially again, as somebody who covers the team. And I know a lot of fans um, didn't really know about him heading into the year, but I know you guys have a lot of faith in him, especially coming out of training camp too. And you mentioned the elder statesman in the room is another word. I don't want to say old yet. Cause I know Brian's been around a long <laughs> oh, time, I'll, but I'll call him old, okay, worry. there you go. So I'll, I'll <laughs> defer to you, but what have you, you mentioned a little bit, you touched on what you've learned from him so far. Um, does anything go? Cause I know you guys have to probably work out the mechanics the most. Cause you know, it's between you and him to make sure that Aubrey has a good ball to kick. What have you learned yeah. from him and, and kind of how has that helped you with your career so far too? Um, so I'd say the biggest adjustment working with him was just as far, was just kind of like learning his tiny timing and like little mannerisms as far as like just my keys for when to mentally be ready to snap the ball. And I'm not going to give any of those away because obviously you don't want other guys to go. Oh yeah, for sure. But like, but like I was working with AJ for um, with, with the Raiders for four years. And so I just super dialed into him and exactly how, how he like does stuff. And then uh, my first like week working with Brian, there was a little bit of growing pains on my part, just like, okay, this is my trigger. And then, uh, and then like, it's just slightly different for him. Cause it's like I said, his mannerisms and timing are just a little bit different than what I ex- was expecting. And I, that was so ingrained in me. So learning that with him and um, just really him being kind of the vet leader and he's in year 12, done it all, seen it all. And, you know, and he's really a, uh, just a, a calming, just straight, straight across, like, like unwavering force, I would say. And just kind of got that laser focus when, when he needs it and is able to just shut it off and not make the moments too big when he doesn't need to. So it, it is really good working with someone like that who just doesn't, I, I don't like to add stress to anything on the sidelines. So he's been really good to work with on that. And we're talking about anger and um, he of course is one of the only players on the Cowboys with him in special teams to make a pro bowl Turpin last year. I know certainly you've been pushing and we'll get to the social media stuff. Now you've been pushing like crazy to get the, the pro bowl votes. And I, I commend you. Cause I think a, you, you deserve it. Uh, but also you're not just leaving out the guys around you. Like you're pushing for Aubrey, you're pushing for anger to get there too. And the way you're doing it with the creative pictures on all the iconic videos and all stuff, talk me through your process of, of why that, why the videos and what sort of went into that decision. So I've, I've never actually really made a huge push for Pro Bowl like I have this year, but I figured, you know what, or I, uh, I saw the Pro Bowl voting come out a couple weeks ago and I was like third on the list. I'm like, oh, I'm actually pretty or higher on the fan vote than I've ever been before. So I'll try to make a little bit of a push and see if we can try to get up here to the top. I don't really like the whole sit down, make my own video. I feel like I just start taking myself way too seriously. So obviously memes are I don't know, entertaining to me. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I just really kind of sat down. And I'm just like, all right, what memes can just sort of in some roundabout way apply to the Pro Bowl? And and uh, then I ended up finding this app that made, like, pacing our faces in super easy. So I spent, like, five minutes per video or something and just, just like, paced my pace paced the three of us and gotten Wanye into a couple of them now too because he was getting jealous that he was left out so uh <laughs> well and i know for a lot of fans that are listening to this now which will be on uh christmas day potentially christmas eve depending on when the schedule comes out um i know fan voting is double on those two days so if you guys go onto twitter you've been seeing it across dallas cowboys platforms and everything you do hashtag pro bowl vote and then of course the handle or the name of the player that you're trying to vote for and of course again retweet all the stuff that trend is putting out because again that also helps as yeah. well too if you want to retweet all of them at the same time there's more votes with all that too so there and you go. like you said not just voting for me voting for brian and brandon too and, and also trying too- to entertain the masses while while uh 
while we're working our way up. Well, and with the holidays, everybody's sitting at the same table. You can get multiple people to do it, which then exponentially grows the the chances too. Yeah, you can open a Twitter account for your grandma and just go in and do that too. So, well, and I'm waiting. I don't know if you saw um, before we transition to the final uh, topic here, um, the Cameron Dicker video for the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, a unbelievable. Yes, Their social media hilarious. department is awesome, just like the Cowboys. Um, have you approached the Cowboys social team about potentially doing something like that, or have they come to you, or? Um, I guess I, I don't know if this will be a spoiler alert. The video will probably be up by the time this comes out. We we did just film like a little thing, but production quality is not going to be anywhere near what that that uh, that Dicker video was. That that was fantastic. Fantastic. We just kind of made or added on like a little TikTok trend. Um, so yeah, we're we're working with the media team. Just I think uh, I think I, I started hitting it a little late without talking to them beforehand. So we're we ended up having like three days to come up with something rather than, rather than really working on it for, for a while. Watching that, that, uh, Dicker video, I actually sent it to Brian and brand. And like, right when I saw it, I'm just like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. They knocked this out of the park. And, and then they started, uh, bagging on me a little bit and like making fun of so like your videos can't, don't stand a chance. To this so, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it is something that, he, he's done a great job. He deserves some votes too. And uh, luckily he's AFC and I don't have to try to compete with that. There you go. Exactly. And the last thing I want to touch on too is also, you know, with the holidays around the corner, um, season of giving, there's something that's also near and dear uh, to your heart. It was your My Cause, My Cleats uh, for the 2023 season. Talk about that and, and the foundation that you were um, promoting and where people can kind of find more information about this too. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, uh, my, my cause, my cleats was the Fletcher Foundation. It's something that's very near, near and dear to my heart and my wife's heart. Um, what they do is they help support families who have gone through miscarriages and stillbirths. And um, my wife and I went through two miscarriages before we were finally blessed with our son. And it was a very, very difficult time in our in our lives, and uh, and just just overall one of the hardest things that we've really had to deal with as a couple since we've been married. And just, there's a lot of emotional, uh, emotional struggles through all of that. And uh, the thing that really pushed us towards it was we, we were sitting there and um, going through everything. And then emergency room bill after emergency room bill, like keeps coming in. And thankfully we're in a position where we can handle that. But uh we were just thinking like every time we were in a good, good head space and we'd get a video or get a, get a bill coming in and just kind of remind us of everything. And then you're thinking about, well, what about people who can't afford all these bills? Like, so uh, we started, we were thinking about starting our own foundation and then we were like, well, we should probably try to find another foundation that has a lot of the, the legwork already done and we can try to partner with them. And that's when we came across the Fletcher foundation um, they're great people over there and they really try to support everyone. Um, they want to try to support them financially, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, it is, it is, it's not completely faith-based, but that it's got a little bit of that background with it to try to help people. And I know some of the books that they use, um, there's a daily devotional book in there for, for the baby that, that, uh, was miscarried that I know helped my wife a lot. Um, they, they send out like hope boxes and they help do a little bit of like grief counseling and, and books. And like that, it's not just, we're going to, or they're, they'll cut a check, but they're not going to just cut a check and say, don't talk to us again. Like they, they want to be there that they, they went through their own issues. Um, Fletcher was their son that ended up, ended up being a stillbirth. And uh, so it's something that they've been through and just something that they really want to help people through as well. And th- so that's why we partnered with them. Um, right now is a huge part for their fundraising and or end of the year is always really big for them. And they're doing, they're doing a thing where essentially I think up to $10,000, whatever's donated will get matched. And, and yeah, so it's just a really big part for them and to go out and help, help families and the mother specifically of the, of all the little angel babies. Yeah, no, it's truly a remarkable foundation. Um, if you want to learn more, 
about the Fletcher Foundation, visit thefletcherfoundation.org. You can find more about the foundation itself. And then also, if you'd like to donate to as well during the holiday season, uh, feel free to do that as well. Like you mentioned, it's something that's um, very important. And with the holidays, I mean, it's the season of giving. So um, every donation matters. Um, I want to just ask you one last question too, because it is the holidays. I think a lot of people, if they're sitting down at Christmas and then somebody asks, Hey, you know, I just listened to this uh, podcast. I'm blogging the boys. Uh, well, what does Trent do uh, for the holiday season? Well, what, what's one of your favorite Christmas memories growing up? And then also maybe what would be like your iconic movie Christmas movie that you want to recommend people to watch? Um, growing up, I would say we just, we just always used to go to my used to always go to my grandma's house and she'd just make a big old like holiday ham and dinner and just having probably have like 15, 20 people in the house and just absolute chaos and sitting or sitting down around and just open up the presents from everyone. And just really being, just being around family was, was really the biggest thing. And my grandma always made like, uh, she always made some like scallop potatoes that I'm still obsessed with. So I try to replicate them for, for Christmas and doesn't usually go as well as, as hers does, but um, always, always good to remind where, where we came from. And then I would say, I, I also love to watch some Christmas movies with my wife every year. And um, the two that we always make sure to watch are Elf and Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Like, those, I mean, I'm sure that's pretty much what everyone has, but those two are just always great every time we watch them. Yeah, those two are very iconic. And then also Polar Express for me growing up was like the, the Polar Express uh, animation always freaks me out a little bit. I don't I, I don't know I what it is about it, but it's just <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that we actually found a couple of years ago on Netflix is called Klaus. That was actually pretty good. Yes, so, uh, the animation that one is actually really good. Um, yes. Uh, and you know what? It, you know what it is? It's the eyes. I think something about the, the eyes of the characters in Polar Express. Just yeah, too yeah they're just kind of don't look. Yeah. And, they just uh, don't match everything. And then Hallmark movies. Where do you stand on, on Hallmark movies? Is okay. that a regular rotation or? Yeah, I, I, I try to avoid them. Okay. Hey. Yeah, you, you, 30 seconds in, you know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, so. yeah. A woman my, falls in love my, from a guy out of state and the rest is history. They love. Yeah, her. exactly. Oh, they for some reason have to go over and see them and like, oh, they found out work isn't everything. Yeah, it sounds like a tagline for everyone that I hear. Uh, well, again, thank you, Trent, for hopping on the Writer's Block uh, holiday special. And and like I said, um, when this airs for everybody out there, you might be enjoying your Christmas dinner, getting ready for Christmas, traveling with your family. So uh, Merry Christmas to all of you from yeah. all of us at Blogging the Boys. Um, and actually something that we always do, Trent, uh, to, to close the podcast is we always say go Cowboys. So in the honor of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, give us one big go Cowboys from everybody. Go Cowboys! The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.